Hey everyone, welcome to Refinery Life Church and welcome to another Thursday evening teaching. I'm excited that you're here, I hope you are as well. You've got your Bible ready, open it up, we're going to start reading in a moment. But you know, why don't you share this message with someone? Why don't you invite them to come and watch? And why don't you invite someone to church on Sunday? Or if you're looking for a new church home, why don't you come and join us? We meet at 9.30 on Sundays at 23 T.E. Peters Drive at Broadbeach. We'd love to see you there. We're a friendly church. We preach the word of God. And we, we just love to see more people becoming part of the refinery family. So come and join us. And now let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Because the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray. And this was his response. He said, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's his kingdom. It's his power. It's his glory. You know, every believer needs to know what the Bible says about spiritual issues. To do that, though, we'd need to read it, wouldn't we? For the last three months, we're almost there now. What the Bible says has been the theme of our Thursday evenings. And today's message is titled, What the Bible Says About Demons. So we've touched on a few subjects that you don't hear preached. What the Bible means says about death. What the Bible says about the devil. And now what the Bible says about demons. Because we need to know these things. Too many people are looking for demons under every rock. The text we're concentrating on is Mark 5.8. Now, I'm going to read from the New King James Version, but you can read from whichever one you prefer. Mark 5.8 says, For he said to him, Come out of that man, unclean spirit. And the scriptures we're going to work through, and we'll read them all together this evening, is Mark 5.1 through to 20. It talks about the demon-possessed man being healed. As we're reading these scriptures, as you're listening this evening, think about what you're seeing in the churches and in the world, and what this actually says. Verse 1, Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. Or Gadarenes. Verse 2, And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs. No one could bind him, not even with chains because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. He also begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. Now a large herd of swine, a large herd of pigs, was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine, that we may enter them. 
And once Jesus gave them permission, then the unclean spirits went out and entered into the pigs. And there were about 2,000 of them, the Bible tells us. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned. Verse 14, so those who fed the swine fled and told it to the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demonized and demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Think of that, deliverance had happened, and they were afraid that the man had been set free. Verse 16, and those who saw it told them how it happened to him, who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Hallelujah for that. Shouldn't we be like that? When Jesus does something for us, that we tell everyone about it? Too often we keep it for ourselves, though, don't we? Let's pray for our offering. If you've got a seed and you're ready to sow, the details will be on the bottom of your screen. Praise the Lord for the joy of giving. Praise the Lord for the joy of living. As the Lord Jesus Christ gave himself for us, we also give ourselves to you. We bring to your altar our hearts, Lord, and we bring our possessions as well. Use them for your sake and for the salvation of souls. And it's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen. Amen. The subject of demons has run the full gamut in people's thinking. Some people become obsessed with the study of demons, allowing their imaginations to run away. They see demons everywhere. We probably know some of these people. You may have even been one or are one of these people right now. <coughs> they see demons everywhere. Some become self-appointed exorcists. I'm saying self-appointed here. And set about to rid their world of these tools of Satan. They tend to say that everything that is evil is because of demonic activity. At the other extreme are those who deny the existence of demons altogether, relegating them to an ancient mythology or to an earlier era of ignorance and superstition. The ancient Greeks believed that demons were the souls of people who had died. Others believe that demons are the disembodied spirits of a race of people who existed before Adam and Eve were created. The scriptures, however, make no mention of such a race, do they? It is the general consensus of conservative theologians that demons are the angels who revolted with Satan. They are also referred to as unclean spirits. We just saw that in our scripture this evening. The King James Version of the Bible refers to them as devils. The proper translation of the Greek, however, is demons. There is one devil... We spoke about him last week and many demons. So the first point this evening is the nature and the activity of demons. They don't appear to be omnipresent. 
Each demon can only be in one place at any given time. The incident near Gadara, when Jesus allowed the demons that had inhabited the wild man to enter the swine, shows that demons can be confined and it indicates of their lack of omnipresence. They asked to leave the man. They couldn't be in the pigs and the man at the same time. And When they were in the pigs, that's where they were. They'd left the man. Though they possess a high degree of intelligence by virtue of their long existence, they were created before Adam and Eve, and through their experience, they're not omniscient. They are promoters of a system of doctrine. The doctrine of demons includes things like salvation through works and the denial of the divinity of Christ. If someone is preaching either of those to you, that's the doctrine of demons. They are agents of destruction, particularly of the body and souls of men. They're promoters of delusion. Let me say that again. They're promoters of delusion. Many, many people sit in within Pentecostal and charismatic churches saying they're born-again believers, but they're delusional. One of Satan's basic designs is to deceive. And his minions, the demons, carry out that plan. Daniel 10, 13 and 20 seem to relate to this activity particularly to the governments of the world. Have a read of them later on. Daniel 10, 13 and 20 talks about the deception in the governments. The phenomenon of demon possession is the second thing we're looking at this evening. We know demon possession is a real thing. Jesus and his disciples confronted it, as did other first century leaders, Christian leaders. Nonetheless, not every expression of evil can be called demonic possession. Let me say that again. Not every expression of evil is demonic possession because believers are not their own, but they are brought with a price. They are God's property. God is greater than Satan or his demons. Therefore, neither Satan nor his demons can have ultimate victory over believers. They may, however, influence and harass believers. Satan would destroy every believer if he could. The Bible indicates that a believer may be delivered to Satan. 1 Corinthians 5.5 5 says, Deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Think of poor Job. Whatever relation Satan or his demons may have to believers during this earthly life, it can't be permanent and it can't be eternal. Our third thing this evening is the defense against demon power. It is never wise for Christians to dabble in the occult, even on a superficial or entertainment level. God warned his ancient people about this in Deuteronomy 18, 10 and 11. It says, There shall be not found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, or one who practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who conjures spells, or a medium, or a spiritualist, or one who calls up the dead. Sadly, we see that within our church. So many 
church leaders these days have come out of the occult. And what we see them doing is very similar to what the occult does. They've just put a Christian name on it now. We've got to start using our discernment, church. And, you know, although most don't take palm reading or tarot reading seriously today, throughout the ages, their satanic influence has been openly recognized or even deferred to. Today, Satan worshippers and occult practitioners can be found in abundance in our country and throughout the world. Have a look around you. You will see them. They're accepted by the world. They're accept, accepted by everything mainstream. They're in abundance. They include government officials, celebrities, prominent business people who influence many areas of life. And they go all the way down to yoga and that sort of thing. If you're doing yoga and calling yourself a born-again believer, stop and repent. Even more practically, Paul said in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, Be angry, do not sin, but not, do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give a place to the devil. Don't open the door to him. While the Bible does speak of righteous anger or indignation, that's probably not what Paul was talking about here. Paul advocated getting rid of angry feelings that we may be harboring before the close of the day rather than carrying the anger and bitterness in the next day. Have you ever met, some, met someone who's angry and bitter and each day it just gradually gets worse and they get twisted and the devil's got hold of them by that stage? Holding on to wrath gives Satan an opportunity to gain a foothold in a believer's life. I'm not talking about the world here, I'm talking about believers. Christians should always rely on the presence of the indwelling spirit, acknowledging greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. As we finish up this evening, in the light of these facts about demons, every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ should be on alert. We should be careful to clothe, our, clothe ourselves with the whole armour of God. We should always recognise that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we should strive to keep ourselves physically and mentally and spiritually strong. That's my encouragement for you this evening. I also want to encourage you to be diligent with your Bible study time. Because God has so much more for us than we can get from going to church once or twice a week and hearing someone else talk about the Word. <coughs> Excuse me. When you spend time with God, your life will change in amazing ways because God is a Redeemer. There's nothing that's too hard for Him. And if you allow Him, He'll make you whole, spirit, soul, and body. And you're important to God, but you're also important to us at the refinery. So when it comes to prayer, we believe that God wants to meet your needs and reveal His promises directly to you. So whatever you're concerned about and you need prayer for, we want to be here for you. Even if you just want to say hi, you can contact us on www.refinerylife.org or via any of our social media channels. And this year, we know is a year of divine restoration and divine recovery. Don't worry about what's happening out in the world, church. Divine restoration and divine recovery is coming to the true church. And until next time, stay in the blessings.